rescue op, save the dinosaurs from an island that's about to explode. What could go wrong? Jurassic World by Minute Time. I'm Brad. I'm Dave. And in this episode, we're discussing Minute 66 of Fallen Kingdom. Before we get to that, uh, once more, Dave heading over to Jurassic-Pedia.com uh, for an article up here, which I'm sure we've touched on before, for the man himself, Dr. Henry Wu. More so for this minute than the next minute, uh, I wanted to check back here with uh, what, he, what he was up to between the events of Jurassic Park and uh, Jurassic World. Um, we're going to get the lines uh, either in this minute or the next, I cannot recall. Uh, Mill saying that uh, a marathon sounds expensive and <laughs> this this sort of research costs money. And with Jurassic Park no longer in existence, uh, Henry would have had to find his own his own way, his own funding. Uh, obviously, in Gen early in the early days would have uh, kept on paying those bills, but uh, in the meantime. After the fall of Sauna and that, he was uh, still doing research, writing books, and uh, getting paid to essentially play God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is a nice long article detailing pretty much everything. And what he was doing between, move, between Jurassic Park and Jurassic World is basically, in 94, they don't we don't know what he was doing in like during the lost world, but in 94 he would, he and engine went in to basically damage assessment. They wanted to see what was still alive, what needed to be destroyed. And basically found that like that Nedry had sabotaged the crowd units and all the, all the embryos they had stored there were basically gone. I don't know. I think they did have backups, in the headquarters at Palto Alto and the, um, like they did in the novel. But I, again, I can't remember exactly. Isn't that a, just before you keep going, just, one of the biggest things not brought over from the novels is InGen headquarters. Any reference to it whatsoever. We've, mm-hmm. we've had InGen in pretty much four, four to five film, four to six films, uh, through different iterations, obviously, by Jurassic World, they're just a security form and a firm and not uh, into the genetic research anymore. But it's it's just a shame that uh, even, even and this is probably adding more to Jurassic Park free than uh, mm-hmm. deserves, but even just while they talk about InGen's list, just Billy's mentioned something about the police raiding InGen's headquarters in Palo Alto or something. <laughs> just a line like that just to confirm that uh, what we get in the novel is pretty much what uh, is happening as well in the movie in the movie universe yeah well it's mostly the DPG that has filled in these gaps here of what was going on in the timeline for example they found they found the remains of the baby raptors that we saw had hatched in the movie they sadly did not make it without parental care I <laughs> And again, that's something that was created uh, at that time um, mm-hmm. and goes back on that. 
then you have things like Jurassic Park Survival or Survivor, I can't remember what it's called now. Uh, whether it's going to be obviously we're going to get raptors in that, whether they're going to use those infants. Uh, I suppose whether or not it's going to be cannons, the, the main one there, but if those infant raptors were there, and obviously there was adult, adults as well that uh, mm-hmm. obviously laid the eggs. Uh, whether that was one of the one of the furry animals that were later captured and moved into the holding pen or not, speculate all you wish <laughs> about that. But, but sorry, <laughs> I took mm-hmm. away from your conversation there. Oh, that's right. So apparently, I'm as I'm reading this. Apparently, in '95 he wrote a book, which I didn't. I did not know about. I can't remember the or the. We are going through a process right now of go of sourcing all our articles, which is a big long process. We have over three thousand articles uh, on this on this site. So <laughs> bear with us if we can't remember where everything came from. But yeah. Oh, I forgot that he was doing the hybrid work on his Lasorna in '98. To ninety nine, mm. that would yeah. that would have been like I, that would have I can't remember, that would have been early Maserati global purchase. So yeah, he was pig, he was scooped up right away with when uh, Maserati bought up engine. Yeah, just looking here, the the next step in evolution of God's concepts was the name of that novel that he done. Uh, coincidentally, the same year that Hammond uh, Hammond Malcolm. Uh, violated his non-disclosure agreement so obviously uh we probably didn't talk a lot about jurassic park or dinosaurs in that novel <laughs> otherwise uh malcolm would have been wouldn't have been the only one uh going against his nda mm-hmm. well apparently writing that book is a breaking of his nda but it was dismissed by it as much as malcolm was <laughs> you did not create dinosaurs <laughs> Yeah, and of course, with Maserani coming into buy engine, they would want uh, Wu to sort of get back on the horse, as you will, and see if any of this stuff's viable to continue as well um, before they decide to uh, to go the, the new park route on uh, on New Blower again. Mm. But we could go through this article and discuss <laughs> a lot. We may come back to it a, l- a little bit later in the minutes, but uh, until then, head over to read this long one and... Uh, many more at jurassic-pedia.com mm-hmm. you don't have the faintest comprehension of what i'm doing here do you understand the complexity of creating an entirely new life form i know but i understand the complexity of paying for it okay all your money will have been wasted if i don't get blue here in good health to get the next iteration under control, it needs to form a familial bond with a closely related genetic link english henry it needs a mother Dave, we're in again in a minute 66. Sure. I, did, I thought, did we just do 66? <laughs> uh, I'm losing the plot. Um, minute 66 of Fallen Kingdom opens with Wu fighting with Mills and ends with Maisie slowly walking backwards towards a dark cage. Uh, as we end at minute 65, uh, Wu was arguing the complexities of creating life and uh, Mill counters asking Wu if he understands the complexities of paying for it. Uh... As we as I just mentioned on the, the Jurassic Dashpedia bit, uh, Wu was uh, getting paid by Engine for a lot of it. Well, not only the complexities of paying for it, but they're trying to keep everything on the down low. So every payment they make 
has to look like on paper that is not what they're paying for. Yeah. yeah. So re- re- rebuilding the labs, getting new lab equipment, hiring new staff, hiring or get, buying new computers, buying, um, I think the cleanup in Fallen Kingdom was a lot more haphazard than it was in Jurassic World. So they're li- literally just shoving vials and stuff into cases. <laughs> and they had those all stored kind of nice and neatly. Like Wu is an organized person. He's got all this stuff organized very neatly. Everything is labeled. <laughs> and so they're buying label printers. They're buying, I mean, all this stuff that they're buying that makes it, and then they have to make all that look, all, all of that look like they're actually buying an island, a private island. Mm. <laughs> yes. They are doing some finagling with the books. The books are well, are more than cooked. They're well done. <laughs> And even with that, obviously, Mills can't do all that by himself. There's got to be accountants. There's got to be an accounting firm that's doing all this. Lockwood himself would have an accounting firm just to help Mills run his assets, uh, companies and all that. Yeah, it was an accountant that took down Al Capone. Yeah. (laughs) But then Mills would have a second accountant agency just trying to get everything through the back door and all Mm -hmm. all this this, uh, expedition, the... Arcadia and everything else too, so he must have one hell of a, uh, I was going to say palm pot, <laughs> a, a, phone ske- <laughs> a phone schedule, um, just to keep on top of everything. No wonder it unravels pretty quickly when uh, stuff starts to come out, but uh, back with Wu, it's, again, just going back to the novel and the whole reason that for Jurassic Park's existence is to pay for that research that Wu and Ingen were doing uh, mm-hmm. back in the late 80s and that and well we can make dinosaurs but how are we going to pay for them what are we going to do with them well let's get others to pay for the research by coming and visiting uh, and seeing these animals and as Gennaro says paying 10000 a day mm-hmm. and interestingly like we have something we have to remember about Jurassic World's commercialization is that that's not what the the park would have looked like when it first opened. It would not have had Sephora stores and stuff like that. That is all stuff that was gained as the in the last ten years of the park running to offset cost for the consumer, so that you weren't paying ten thousand a day. You're paying maybe only two thousand a day. Still, a lot of money, like three times what you're paying at Disney, but it's a little bit more. It's a little bit better than paying 10000 a day, you know? Mm. And, again, drastic, drastic uh, world being a fictitious uh, resort location, tourist attraction. When you look at, like, take Disney for real case, like, it costing $10 billion a year or something just to run their resorts, there's a reason why that, that big gulp couple, that soda's costing $15. <laughs> with, with, without even... The animal Jurassic World with the animal care, the veterinary, the feeding. Again, a T Rex is going to eat a lot more than a lion will at a zoo. <laughs> Just, yeah, and, and it, that's even with the taking into consideration that that Disney World has a animal resort. Yeah, like I said, the T Rex is going to eat a heck of a lot more than a lion does. And remoteness, remoteness costs money in mm-hmm. freight. In freight, getting stuff in. Again, Newbar not being that big, but still, you'd want you'd want a decent sized cattle ranch or something on Newbar just to mm-hmm. 
just to feed uh, that you'd want you'd want cropping lands you'd want all this sort of stuff there uh, or as close to there as possible just to feed the enormous amounts of because it's not it's not uh, not like the lost world or whatever it's not the animals aren't sort of free feeding the the, the herbivores may free feed a little bit but again you're not going to put five brachiosaurs in a in a football field size pen uh with five five trees in there and expect mm-hmm. them not to strip those trees bare and <laughs> dig the roots out of the ground <laughs> like, it... interestingly though at the same time that's kind of something that's brought up in the novel is how the way that the herbivores don't strip that small island bare is the fact that the plants themselves do actually have defenses that the plants are not going to let the uh, animals sit there and uh, strip the place bare. It's going, they're going to, there's, I can't remember what they, uh, what it was, if they named in the novel, but they described this one plant that giraffes eat that secrete this nasty kind of um, venom. It's not, not a venom, but it's like a toxin that, that um, if the giraffes, um, sorry, if the giraffes graze for too long, the plant starts secreting this venom. And not only does it secrete the venom, but it starts sending out pheromones to the other trees. So they start secreting the venom. So then the they discuss in the novel how their giraffes then figure out that if they eat upwind instead of eat, instead of grazing downwind, they can uh, they can um, beat the plant's defenses. I'm glad you got a good memory because I was trying to <laughs> trying to think of that as well. I was yeah, I was um, I was thinking down the evolution route, but it, it wouldn't happen in such short a time uh, with just herbivores being n- in need of food. They'd air quotes evolve. Uh, mm-hmm. Like again, but yeah, plants whether they're poisonous, whether they've grown thorns on their on their um, outsides to to keep tongues away that sort of thing there's there's a lot of that in the in the uh in the world today the animal kingdom even going to sauna and just the fact they put the high hide up and cover it in uh poisonous plants just to so the herbivores don't come near it mm-hmm. but yeah you would you would think in uh in any given time that uh nublar would resemble <laughs> more of a Moab or something than uh, a tropical island, just with so many herbivores roaming around on it, without uh, without yeah putting poisonous plants and that sort of thing in like that as well. Well, the other thing you have to remember is that, like for example, on Sorna, those great just take the sauropods for example, two different brachiosaurs and mementiosaurs, and the mementiosaurs are going to be constantly competing with the brachiosaurs. The how they got away with it in the Mesozoic was there were two different time periods and two different continents, and how and the thing is with the apatosaurs and the brachiosaurs, they're not eating the same they're not eating at the same level. Their their brachiosaur can eat higher up than the apatosaurs can, but the apatosaurs can also eat lower lower down than the brachiosaurs can. It can graze from the bottom up instead of the top down. Hmm. The momentiosaurus kind of screws that all up by having just being one, just being gigantic, and two, its neck can go up and down that whole tree. 
And then that doesn't even get into the, the smaller... Oh, I won't say too small, but you, you sort of got your, your pachycephalosaurus is probably the nine foot, be able to stick up, stand upright, and be able to get the lower hanging stuff as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the, the sauropods are definitely <laughs> definitely going to uh, stress out or, or put put a lot of weight on the the local vegetation anyway. Oh yeah, um, with how much even just for how much they eat too. Like there'd, there'd have to be ship well, ships of hay, straw, um, roughage, all that sort of stuff coming in just to feed them on the daily basis. And then even like we get the picturesque. The boys in the gyrosphere, in gyrosphere valley, with all the herbivores there. But I know even with cattle, you feed cattle and they fight amongst each other. I don't think you're going to be feeding the triceratops, the stegosaur, the sauropods, uh, some any sort of feed like that when they're together because <laughs> we know herbivores are just as dangerous as carnivores and they will fight each other. Oh, totally. The other thing is is that. In the novel, they were also supplementing them with lysine, and same with the first movie. And in the novel, they had, I think they may have been in the on the computer system list too. I can't remember though. I think they might have had herbivore feed or something like that. And so they were supplementing them with basically like a dino food feed mix that had lysine-rich foods in there that offset their inability to process the um, protein lysine. So they're also, I don't, I can't remember if they had such measures at Jurassic World, but they probably did have feeding stations to help supplement them because again, they, their diets evolved for something far different than what they have available to them at Jurassic World. Those yeah. tropical plants were not designed to be grazed on by, <laughs> um, or, or did not evolve to be grazed on by brachiosaurs, you know? Mm. Yeah, and even though this <laughs> tangent's gone long enough, I he been involved in farming and that sometimes some of the local supermarkets and that, that do have leftover fresh produce that has uh, gone past its use-by date or is no longer in the quality or the condition it needs to be to sell they'll give that produce to farmers to feed the cattle and that. So I'd, I don't know if Winston's has got a little bin out the back there, keep all their wilted lettuce leaves in that <laughs> go out to to a pachycephalosaurus or something, but mm-hmm. obviously there'd, there'd be some sort of food recycling on, on Nublar as well, just to... Because then there's, there's oh, that. There's Where's yeah, all the rubbish going? <laughs> there's another ship mm-hmm. just leaving with all the trash on it. Yeah. Well, that does bring up a good point. Like, you could potentially be grinding up those, like the apple cores, bananas peels, stuff like this. The animals will eat that. I'm, yeah. And it's very nutrient-rich. Yeah. Same with, like, steak bones, chicken bones. That can be ground up and turned into meal for, like, for example, the infants, maybe. Hmm. Yep. Well, we know from um, from the Lost World novel anyway, they'll feed them ground-up sheep extract. Just to... Mm-hmm. Yep. Not the best idea. No, no. <laughs> uh, no. But uh, I'm, I'm going to take uh, Mill's side here when Henry's spouting off all this stuff about uh, the, Ind- the Indoraptor. Just English, Henry, give it to me in English. Because um, <laughs> <laughs> he just comes straight out and says that uh, she needs a mother. Which is a good 
it's good that he's learning from because that was basically the problems that Wu was had with the Indominus was that it was kept it was overly aggressive, kept in isolation. It had nothing to learn from it. It's like the if you uh, remember the Raptors from the second novel, they had no parental instincts. They had no taught parental in, uh, behavior. So they were basically just running purely on eat, poop, eat again instinct. They had, you could see like there was attempts to build nests that had been then left abandoned after the infants hatched. And so that's what they're trying to avoid with the um, Indoraptor. Remember, the end game here is basically pairing a Indoraptor with a handler in the field to where the handler can go in with the Indoraptor. The Indoraptor goes in basically like dogs do now. They're basically the new war dog. Mm. I can't recall. I do want to... uh pay attention as we keep on going into the film and just see if Owen mentions that again because of how how much he brought that up with the Indominus Mm -hmm. Rex Uh, as you said the Indoraptors had exactly the same thing happen here it's been stuck in a cage all its life I just yeah just interesting if Owen recognises that as well as we move uh, deeper into the film but uh, now he's got Mills and Maisie's attention as he continues Blue's DNA will be part of the next Indominus Indoraptor's makeup, uh, so we'll automatically assume her behaviours and traits, empathy, obedience, everything your animal now is missing. So, without Owen saying all that stuff about the Indominus Rex here with the Indoraptor, Wu's pretty much just told Mills that that this thing's got nothing. <laughs> it's it's just mm-hmm. a uh, a vicious a vicious eating machine that's uh, caged up at the moment. We need we need version two to be a lot better, a lot more like Blue. Yeah. Basically, this prototype that they've created is basically just the uh, Indominus Rex, but smaller and a little bit differently shaped and colored. It did it. I don't think it had the invisibility, which is probably for the best. (laughs) (laughs) That's like the one that is one difference that they he's definitely learning from his mistakes there because, yeah, you don't you don't want it to just. Where's the Indoraptor? I don't know. It was in there an hour ago. <laughs> well, yeah, and again, you have that, that dumb janitor or something that's there cleaning the hallway and knows it's missing and goes up and opens the cage and that's how it gets out <laughs> instead of exactly. uh, instead of what yeah. we get. That's which, how the Indoraptor got out. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you know, you know, even Mills and Wu or something, they would have been sitting there looking at what they'd done with the, uh, or what was done with the Indominus Rex and ticking off oh yep yep fast healing smart all this sort of stuff uh hmm. well uh, Masrani did say that it could camouflage do we want no we don't want that do we <laughs> just put a cross through it no. we, we know we know what we what we need to do to be able to do that we'll just we'll save that for something else <laughs> we'll uh we'll we'll make some two-headed cats that can camouflage or something <laughs> <laughs> but uh mills just wants to know how long it's going to take uh woo says it's not a sprint mr mills it's a marathon uh, a marathon sounds expensive mills says and turns to walk away besides uh time is running out um and so is my patience henry so 
you have to understand this is all uncharted territory. A wolf today genetically is barely distinguishable than a bulldog. But, but within that grey area, there's art, which, again, there's that little bit of that uh, weird, that mad scientist of Henry mm-hmm. in there. But he's, he's true. Like, what wo- uh, wolves, what wolves were uh, back in the day, even now, they're not that too far away from mm-hmm. uh, the common canine. But, uh, yeah. Speaking of common canines, yeah. um... <laughs> 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 you all talking about it. Uh, meanwhile, Maisie's been running ahead of the pair, uh, trying to stay out of sight, and now she's found a nice little secluded, dark New York alley here to uh, hide in the shadows. There's just something about the way the set design or or how this underground area is built, just the way the brickwork is. It's not something you normally see in secret underground labs. It's normally just all concrete, steel, uh, but it's sort of it's sort of yeah just something different and something I don't mind with the almost cobblestone floors and the uh, <laughs> and the brickwork here and the the buildings of course because we need something to happen later on the film with with Owen and Co when they're locked in there but I'm liking the set design here. Well, it's kind of like it's that Jurassic thing, the blending of the old and the new, where you have industry meets science, you know? Yeah. You kind of got that in the first two movies as well, where you had the concrete steel meeting the jungle, basically like the kind of industrial jungle kind of look. This isn't really so much industrial jungle, but it still has that same intent behind it, where it's the old style meeting new style. Mm-hmm. And we don't sort of know how old, I don't think we know how old Lockwood Estate actually is. I'm guessing this sort of, these foundations this sort of basement area generally would have been there built when uh, the mansion was back in the day. And it's that, that old school way of building you, you're doing, uh, instead of casting or boxing up concrete for the archways, you are doing brick and stone work for, for the archways mm-hmm. and everything, much like all the underground sewer systems and that for merry old England <laughs> and everything else as well. So, and then that's obviously been cleaned up when they've done the refurb to uh, make it all into holding cells, animal cages. It definitely has that gothic revival kind of look to it. So I'm guessing maybe mid-1800s, late-1800s it was built. Mm. But, uh, that's where we uh, end end the minute uh, for 66. Again, no novel comparisons just yet. <laughs> I'll get back to them later. Uh, Dave, anything else to add before we get over for the week? No, I think we're good. All right, lovely. Mm-hmm.